It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome, welcome as we get ready for some Sharks hockey coming up a little bit later this evening. And, of course, coming off a nice win last night in Arizona. So to talk about all things Sharks, we are now joined by Sheng Peng of San Jose Hockey Now and NBC Sports California. Sheng, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Uh, just uh, uh, living out the exciting, glamorous, uh, uh, traveling reporter life, uh, uh, going from Arizona to Las Vegas to Los Angeles for the game tonight. Uh, thank you, Spirit Air Airlines and your $40 fares. Nice, man. That's, uh, you know, but you get to be at the games, which is always uh, fun. And they're not long flights. <laughs> yeah, um, they're not. <laughs> you, uh, you were at the game last night at Mullet Arena, which, God, mm -hmm. I just love that. And... Um, you know, I, I have a take, and you can tell me if I'm crazy, Shang. But yeah. when this um, when this came out that they were going to be playing at ASU's arena, my initial reaction was lean into it, which I feel they have done a pretty good job of doing so. But sure. I also wonder because it's such a small, you know, intimate environment. If the NHL would ever consider going the opposite end of the stadium series and doing more NHL games in college arenas. Because I, especially on the East Coast, I think that it would be a madhouse with some of those college campuses where hockey is huge. And yeah, it might not be the, you know, the, the, the gate that you would get at, you know, the big house in Michigan. But at the same time, I also think that the environment and the potential to create fans for the future could be pretty cool as well. So am I crazy or, or am I maybe thinking of something that's de decent to think about? Yeah, well, definitely you'll have to make up the gate somehow. Um, you can uh, quadruple uh, ticket prices, so that might work. But yeah, uh, for sure, though. I mean, we see it all the time with even, let's say, uh, uh, music acts, right? Where, you know, that small, uh, uh, intimate setting, like, say, seeing Bruce Springsteen in a uh, 5,000-person venue as opposed to the typical 75,000 venue, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You can get a lot more for 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 a, for. A, uh, for a ticket uh, in the much smaller venue because it's much more intimate experience and in terms of uh, converting new fans um, for sure I can definitely uh, see that I mean I, I think it's hard if you went to last night's game and saw the action so up close you're so on top of the action so compact uh, how you can come away and not being an NHL fan after uh, after a game at Molot Arena yeah I mean that's kind of what I go to is like you you know you, you have to create fans of the future and I know that that's something that the NHL and, and all leagues want to do because, you know, the um, NHL and Major League Baseball have the two quote-unquote oldest um, fan bases. But obviously, I mean, there's, there's a million different ways you can stretch those metrics and try and look at it. But, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I, I think that, you know, for me, it's making the most of a, I won't call it a bad situation, but I'll say it's not ideal. And, um, you know, it's it's it also times out well with the Arizona Coyotes not being at a place where it's, they're not great right now, obviously. They are um, not on a parallel path of where the Sharks are right now, but they're you know kind of driving down the same freeway. 
What did you see in that game last night in terms of maybe not the play on the ice, but just the juxtaposition of where both of these franchises are in their respective rebuilds? Well, I think uh, that's, I think one of the big differences, right? You use the word rebuild, but that's not a word that the Sharks have used yet. I think Arizona is a bit more clear in terms of what they're trying to do. Granted, Arizona has uh, doesn't have the contracts and uh, commitments to to players. So, mm-hmm. the, you know, the Sharks are kind of in this weird no man's land because you have, you know, Eric Carlson having a wonderful season, uh, Norris Trophy caliber season, but his contract is still prohibitive uh, to trade. And so what do you do with them? Uh, you don't want to trade him and, you know, have to pick up half his contract. That seems stupid. But other hand, though, you know, what good is he doing you? I mean, in a big picture, obviously, he's yeah. been great uh, on and off the ice this year, Eric. But your record is 13, 21 and eight, you know, even though Eric Carlson is you know blowing up uh, a, a modern day uh, a scoring records for a defenseman. And um, so, yeah, so I think I think that's that's a you know, it's not necessarily the Sharks fault in some ways. Uh, in terms of, well, I mean, they sign the players to the contracts, but at this point, though, they're hard to kind of, it's hard to divest yourself of these contracts. Whereas Arizona, again, there's a clarity with 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 what they're doing. And hopefully, I think that uh, that's what Mike wants to do. He wants to have a little more clarity in this situation. And uh, might take a little more time, though, just because of the contract commitment and not wanting to uh, do everything just to get these contracts out the door. And so it might take a little more time for the Sharks to have this clarity, but I think that uh Greer is moving toward that I think that 2023 uh, as a calendar year not as a hockey season specific will be one of the most impactful for the Sharks franchise and the memory of the franchise or the history of the franchise because he is probably going to be making those hard decisions you know we've heard Eric Carlson's name pop up today Pierre Lebrun was talking about teams being intrigued by him we know that there might still be decisions that have to be made about Timo Meyer and Logan Gutscher and Nick Bonino and, um, you know, Greer put it on the table earlier in the year and said, everybody but Hurdle. I mean, that was his, um, you know, his statements, um, for lack of a better term, or that was was reported as what he had said. But, you know, where, I mean, how, how does this go down, you think? I mean, what, what are we looking at here as we do approach the deadline? Um, I would uh, guess uh, that... Uh... Meyer will this is just a guess uh but I think uh I, I think with Greer he has shown a little more um how do you say this uh I, I think I think I think there's gonna be a little more willingness to to, to move on from these contracts and these commitments to players mm-hmm. and Meyer though you don't have to move at the trade deadline because he no. is an RFA so uh, you can trade him in the off season you can even trade him uh, next year too and so and so I don't know if there's going to be a rush but um I'm not sure if the, the the sharks are going to jump in and make a long commitment uh to to him even though he's a perfect player and I think the team that does make that commitment to him will uh will benefit from that. But again, the Sharks, where they are competitively, uh, may not uh, benefit uh, as much from uh, making that kind of commitment to Amaya. And so anyway, uh, so I think then we talk about other players uh, who have done a nice uh, nice job this season or could be nice pieces for a winning team as role players, guys like Benino, Nieto, um, 
I think if there's if there is a market for them that I can see them getting moved to. And so, yeah, I, I can see this being a different team. I think the other, you know, though, uh, that it is possible that Greer may just say like, well, if I'm not, I may, I may not get a lot for these players. And so let's see if, if, if uh, you know, we can run out the clock of another year next year, you know, run mm-hmm. out another year on Carlson's contract uh, because Carlson becomes more uh, uh, attractive as a trade ship, the longer he plays better right. and the, the closer we get to the expiration of his contract. So if he somehow can sustain his play into the next year, then maybe he becomes a tradable asset because you know now teams are not looking at it as a one-year wonder, but this is Eric Carlson again. Um so so yeah, so I I so so that that possibly it does I think uh I think that I think that that can be possible too where uh where Greer doesn't necessarily uh no, just say I'm gonna give up Nick Benino for give me a fifth round pick and I and and you get Nick Nick Benino and and that's it. Um, but um, so I, but if I were the guest though, I think I would trend more toward yeah that 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 there will start to be a selling of parts and we have a different looking team after the trade deadline. Yeah, and you know that's listen that's that's what Mike Greer was brought in to do. He has um uh, you know a great job and uh, you know I think it's envious uh, to be in the position that he is. I think people are just not envious of the specific decisions that he has to make because you look at a guy like Logan Couture and what he has meant to the franchise over the course of the, you know his tenure with the Sharks. He's the captain for for good reason. I mean, if he decided to move him, that that's a tough pill to swallow for the fan base who loves him regardless of the record. You know, I, how I guess the, the question, Chang, is how do you balance that fan allegiance with those? hard decisions win some games uh and uh, i think the fans will forgive you yeah <laughs> and also too you know uh it's not just of course if you uh trade well like you traded a brent burns obviously it's a very familiar player and a fan favorite but um you know in all sports right fans are used to seeing fan, uh seeing uh, guys like that go and as long as you replace replace them with uh with 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 good players and so the sharks will have to draft well then i i don't you know the fans will, will just honestly they'll just build new allegiances i mean that's just the 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 the, the way it works yeah no it's interesting just because you, like you said you have to start winning but i mean i think that's what's that's what's unclear is like the off season, you and I were talking about, you know, this would be kind of a three year thing. It'd be this year, next year. And then the year after that would be when they would start training in that right direction, which is why I get confused about the, the Timo stuff because he turned 26 at the start of this year, which means that in that third year of when it would start, you know, maybe being for playoff contention again, he'd only be 28 and he would, you know, he would still have good years as part of that contract. I mean, that's, again, I don't know that there is a right or wrong answer. That's, that's just where I kind of get hung up on it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, uh, I mean, conceivably, yeah, Timo can still be part of, let's say, uh, uh, you know, William Eklund, Thomas Bordalo, 2023 draft pick center team. Um, but um, you take that risk though, right? If you give mm-hmm. him a six, seven, eight year, year contract, let's say, let's say Timo's game. I mean, look at guys in the past. Let's just look at Sharks guys, right? Not everybody is Joe Thornton and last into his late thirties. You know, Mark Edward Vlasic had a pretty sharp drop off. Um, Danny Heatley 
uh, more of the scoring type, uh, like like uh, like Timo, right? He had a pretty sharp drop drop off crossing into thirty. Um, and so there's no guarantee. Basically, you take that chance, right? And so, yeah. um, so even a contract like Hurdle, right? Uh, uh, Hurdle is the kind of guy, you know. Hurdle, we know he how much he cares. We know that he's going to give it his best every night. We know that if Hurdle has a drop off. Um, it's not because you know hurdle stop working out or stop trying or whatever right but you just can't predict uh, when uh kind of a, a athlete's prime uh, will start to sort of uh, decline and diminish yeah. and so i think that's that's the thing uh with 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 a guy like timo you take that chance yeah and there's a fair chance that that four years from now, he's still going to be a very good player. But what if he isn't? Mm-hmm. And now you're stuck with another contract. Uh, and the Sharks obviously are are have 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 uh, have have uh, you know put themselves uh, in paint themselves in corners in a corner with a lot of the contracts that they've signed, a lot of the chances that they've taken that just uh, haven't worked out quite uh, like like they imagined when they signed these players to the long deals. What has been your take on uh, Kevin LeBanc as of late? Because I've the one thing that I've noticed beyond the the points, even though he did get sat down for a little bit last night, but I just feel like there's much more conviction in his game. Like when he moves to the puck, he's doing it with more authority and with greater speed and just more assertiveness overall. And that had really been lacking from his game for a while, but suddenly, you know, his game isn't perfect, but I do feel like he's playing with a lot more confidence than he was even three, four weeks ago. Yeah, you know, I think uh, Kevin, uh, I might write about this soon. Uh, Kevin is sort of like a microcosm of the Sharks this year. Um, uh, there's a lot of obvious talent there uh, when he's on his game. And, uh, you know, he's actually an underrated four checker when he's on his game. He always mm-hmm. likes to talk about hunting for pucks. That's a phrase that he likes to use that uh, from, I think, uh, Peter the, from the Peter DeBoer era. And um, when he's on his game, he's on the puck. Uh, uh, he's, you know, dog on bone on, on the puck. And I think that gets lost. You know, people just talk about with Kevin, uh, you know, uh, the skill, you know, pretty good shot. He takes uh, probably too many penalties. Yeah. Um, but but uh, there's some there's some subtlety to his game when he when he's on it. That yeah, uh, like you said, that we we've seen a lot in the last few weeks. You know, especially uh, since he's been put on on a line with uh, uh, Tommy and Timo. And um, so, but he does have those mental lapses uh, just mm-hmm. like what got him benched uh, for the, the Christian Fisher goal uh, yesterday um and i think the sharks have those uh, you know uh, david quinn has talked all season about the magnitude of the sharks mistakes that was a pretty big mistake that that, that he made and so yeah so so uh, so kevin is uh, probably also overpaid too <laughs> to be honest and so uh, so i think uh, kevin's a pretty good microcosm of just in general uh, the sharks but yeah you're you're right though uh, kevin uh, has played a pretty good game i had a had a overall an underrated season yeah he's i mean he's got 25 points right now he's double digits in goals you know i know his career high came in 2018 2019 when he was playing alongside thornton a lot and i think he had 56 57 points but i feel like if it keeps con- continuing to trend in that direction he could potentially get back into that category of where he was that season points wise and maybe even beyond it so I, i'm just you know, I'm curious about a lot of the second half, Shang, because on Twitter last night when the Sharks won, there were a lot of people who were saying, oh, that's a shame, you know, like because everybody wants Connor Bedard. And I listen, I think Connor Bedard could very well end up being a great player. But, you know, like there's a chance that the Sharks could have the most losses or the fewest points 
and still not get them. Like, I feel like enough people or not enough people don't recognize that there is no guarantee. Like, you know, you could lose, you know, the next 40 games and still not get Connor Bedard. I mean, that that's an obvious outcome. And I don't think Mike Greer's plan is dependent upon drafting Connor Bedard. No, no, it's not. Uh, I, I think the counter argument to what you said, though, is that it's a pretty deep draft uh, at, at the top of the draft this year. Yeah. Uh, granted, it, you know, Bedard has separated himself. It appears like it's a Bedard and everybody else. But, uh, but you know, two through five seems like a pretty strong prospects and guys who could have been number one in other years. And, and so it's a it's a pretty good, you know, you're not just aiming for the number one pick uh, this, uh, this coming draft. But on the other hand, though, you know, in terms of just the uh, day-to-day, uh, uh, you know, locker room uh, with the Sharks, you know, they're obviously not thinking about Connor McDard. They don't, they don't, they, they don't, they're not thinking about what he could add to the team next year. You know, Logan Couture is not thinking, you know, uh, a second about that. You know, they're still trying to make something of their season. And, um, and that's, uh, you know, you have to respect that too. You know, it's easy to, you know, uh, Online, it's easy to talk about Connor Bazard all day, but uh, again, that's not the the Sharks uh, mentality. It's not even the team that that Mike Greer has tried to make. You know, Mike Greer uh, has you know tried to add a lot of competitiveness to the team, uh, a lot more battle to the team. And even though the results haven't been there in terms of the wands and losses, we do see the underlying stats. And a lot of people talk to me about, well, those stats are obviously meaningless because, you know, all that matters are the, the, the W's and L's and in the big picture. Sure. Yes. It is all about the, the wins and losses, but these kind of stats, like just for example, I've said this many times, you know, the sharks, you know, being uh 17th in the league and, and uh, quality chances against 14th uh, quality chances for, uh, well, that was a couple of days ago. So it could have, could have yeah. shifted slightly, but the point though, is that the, 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 the Sharks have actually played pretty good hockey. And these kind of uh, stats suggest to you that, like, you know, if the Sharks had more time uh, and they, they don't have a lot of time, they don't really have until the end of the season. You know, they probably have just until the trade deadline. Um, so they have, what, like about a month and a half. Uh, but if the Sharks had more time, their record might start to reflect uh, their 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 underlying stats. But anyway, uh, they probably won't have, won't, won't have time to kind of uh, – uh, uh, optimize, I guess, you know, Mike Greer's uh, plan uh, this year in terms of Mike Greer's vision for the team's competitiveness. Thoughts on tonight's game? We'll see. You know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's kind of a actually similar position that the Sharks were in the last time they were in LA. Uh, Sharks had just come up pretty good performance against actually Arizona. I think it was Anaheim they had a six one victory over Anaheim. Uh, feeling good about themselves. Uh, you know, did a good job uh, in terms of uh, playing uh, uh, a pretty sound two way game uh, like they uh, like they did against the Coyotes yesterday, and they did against uh, Arizona and Anaheim going into LA. And LA obviously presents another kind of challenge in terms of quality of team and i think the sharks still think of themselves as being not a bad team mm-hmm. uh, better than a 13 21 and 18 and so this you know is a good challenge uh, uh for that to show that uh, they uh, are more than their record all right shang well i know you've got a uh, flight to catch so i'll let you go but i appreciate your time as always and i will uh, plan on seeing you friday night sounds good thank you so much 
Again, that is Shang Peng of San Jose Hockey Now and NBC Sports California joining us here on the Sharks Audio Network as we get ready for tonight's game against L.A. Remember, this one gets underway at 7, which means our pregame coverage will start at 6.30 live right here on the Sharks Audio Network. And, of course, uh, you will also be able to hear starting at 6 o'clock it will be Dan Rusnowski's Teal Report, then another airing of this, The Buildup, which will then lead us into our live pregame coverage as we take on the LA Kings, who are you know, pretty decent right now. The Kings are a good team, and they the way that Fiala's playing, I mean, they just have a lot of weapons, and they are pretty interesting right now. 24-14-6 on the year, uh, second place in the division behind Vegas. So they are looking to try and keep pace with Vegas or try and stay up with them. So for the time being, a big two points in their division against the Sharks will be big for them. But of course, the Sharks would love to play the role of spoiler against L.A. We're out of time for the San Jose Sharks. I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yen.